Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, if you guys would, if you could pull out this card, uh, it says get connected at the top. This is our connect card. And uh, if you could go ahead and start filling that out, that would be great. I promise that you will not uh, get a knock on the door or anything like that. Just a way for us to connect with you. Uh, my name is Chris, and uh, you can also uh, fill that card out on our app. So if you just go on our JAR app, you can fill it out there as well, and uh, we'll uh, collect those at the end of uh, the celebration. Well, I'd like to begin this morning by asking you a question, and here is the question. How many of you would say that you compare yourself or your stuff to someone else? How many of you have ever compared yourself or your stuff to someone else? Okay, now look at the hands. Now, if you did not raise your hand, what do we call those people? Liars. Liars, that's right. Because what you're telling me right now is that you've never compared yourself to anyone or any of your stuff with that. And I just don't believe that. So this week, what I did was I went ahead and I invited my Facebook friends uh, to kind of give me uh, thoughts on what their comparison uh, was. And uh, from that, uh, I came down with four different categories uh, for us to look at of what some people might compare themselves to. Now, it's interesting, uh, week two, I uh, taught on I Quit Complaining, and I had 100 comments. This week, uh, I had only 25 when I sent this out. So this is what it makes me think. For some of you, what you're thinking right now is, I don't want to be in the teaching, okay? So that's why you didn't put that in there. I know that. Because I know that we complain probably as much as we compare. Okay, so here we go. Four categories that we have a tendency or a temptation to compare ourselves. And here's the first thing is possessions. So in your program, there's a little area there that if you have a temptation of comparing yourself with your possessions to someone else, just check that off. There's a little line there. Just check it off. Keep your hand or eyes on your own paper uh, that way, okay? Now, this is what we do. We have a car. Our neighbors get a car. Their car is newer than our car. We look at their car, and we love their car. We look at our rust bucket, and we go, why can't I have their car? You know what that's called? Comparison, okay? And we do that. We have a tendency to do that. Uh, maybe for some of you, you're like, well, my house, my house isn't big enough, but look at my neighbor's house. It's big. So, or what about my apartment? My apartment doesn't have all the furnishings that someone else has. And so maybe, uh, that's what you compare, or maybe it's your clothes. My clothes aren't as nice. They're not as, um, new. They're not as trendy as someone else. And so we compare that. How many of you would say that at some point in your life, you have compared your possessions with somebody else's possessions, okay? If that's you, just go ahead, check that uh, either on the app or in your program. Okay, here's the second thing that we're tempted to compare, and that is our appearances. Our appearances. Do you do that? Um, women sometimes, they will compare their hairstyles with someone else. They're like, oh, their hairstyle looks nice. Or sometimes they'll compare themselves, you know, to the shampoo model that whenever they're trying to sell shampoo, they always walk like this, you know, and it's a slow walk and you see this hair like all over there and you're like, oh, if I could just 
have that hair. It's so fluffy and puffy and soft and whatever, okay? So maybe that's you. Now, guys, on the other hand, uh, we don't compare hair uh, when it comes to styles. We compare, do you have hair, okay? Because what happens, you know, we lose that pretty quickly, and so that, that's that. Now, one thing that I've noticed in my own life is that there are a lot of guys that compare themselves to me, uh, in particular my biceps uh, here. And this is the comparison that they have. They look at my biceps, and they get so much more encouraged when they look at mine. Because my biceps, there are elementary age school kids that don't have as big as mine, okay? Now, how many of you would maybe say that, hey, that's me. My, um, you know, my uh, thing is my appearance, okay? Yeah, several. You know, one thing that I, I realize more and more is that women and men definitely have a difference in this. And, and women have so much more pressure on themselves. I, I live with three women two little girls and a wife, and constantly they are bombarded with what they should look like, that their body or their face should look like this model or this airbrushed person, and they can never compete. And so for many women, that's one of the things that we struggle with. So if appearance is yours, go ahead and uh, put that down. Here's the next one, uh, performance. Uh, you have a tendency to compare your performance to someone else. Uh, this happens in work a lot. You look at someone else and you think, oh, well, you know what? Why is it they do their job so much better than I do mine? Or why is it that they keep getting promoted and I don't? Maybe you're a mom. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, a single mom, a married mom, whatever. But you're a mom, and you look at other moms all the time, and you look at other moms, and you're like, they have both earrings in, and their kids' faces are clean, you know? And then you look in the mirror, and you're like, where's my earrings? It's all messed up. And my kids look like urchins, you know, uh, compared to somebody else. And so we have that kind of comparison. And we also just have this performance comparison. So if that's you, if you have a tendency to compare yourself to somebody else when it comes to performance, check that off. One more category, circumstances, circumstances. Sometimes we're tempted to compare our circumstances with someone else. Maybe right now you're not married, you're single, or you've gone through uh, a divorce, and so uh, you're uh, single again, and the reality is uh, you look around and you think, ah, why is it that everyone else is finding someone and I'm not? Why is it that I'm always the bridesmaid, never the bride? Why is it I'm always uh, the best man, but never the groom? Why is that? Or maybe uh, you look at your situation in life right now, and you're thinking to yourself that, you know what? I don't like where I'm at. And what you do is you start comparing to other people that you either graduated with or other people that you know, and you're like, well, they're doing so well, and everything's going great, and I'm just not where I thought I would be at this point in my life. Why is that? Or look at their kids. Their kids are always well-behaved. They always do things the right way, and mine don't. Why is that? Maybe today you're up into your eyeballs with debt, and you look around other people, and it seems like they're managing their money just fine, but, but I'm not, and I don't know why that is. And for some of you, you struggled in 2017 to manage your money, and you think it's going to change just by osmosis in 2018. Well, it's not. 
And the thing that you have to do is finally say, I'm going to stop comparing and I'm actually going to get better on my own. And so on February 27th, we're going to be offering a class called Financial Peace University. We have seen 70 people take this class and there are thousands and thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars actually, for some of them, that they have reduced their debt and they're living in financial freedom today. And folks, it won't just change. Your circumstances won't just change, even if you compare to somebody else. So if you're interested in taking that class, you can sign up on our app today. Just go ahead and do that. Or if you want, in the back, Shane, uh, everybody look at Shane. That'll make him real intimidated that he's waving there. Okay? Um, He and his wife have reduced debt by $50,000 through this class. And so if you want some, yeah, that's something to praise God for, for sure. But if you want to be able to help uh, yourself to get better with that, take the class. And uh, it'll start on the 27th and you can sign up. Okay, so if you compare your circumstances, whatever that is, with somebody else, then just go ahead and check that off on that particular category. You see, folks, there are many things that we have a tendency to compare ourselves to. Many aspects of our lives that we do that. When uh, I first became a pastor, I was a pastor of uh, two churches, and uh, each uh, year, the denomination that I was a pastor in, they had a big annual conference, and they invited all the pastors to come, and they would talk about different issues, vote on things, and that kind of thing. And uh, one of the very first conferences I went to, I met a young guy named Jeff, who was a pastor as well. Now, I was a pastor of a church. He was an assistant pastor. And he and I were the same age. We were, uh, had very similar personalities, pretty competitive. And I remember that during those first few years, because I was a pastor, I was invited to all kinds of different things. I was invited to workshops and seminars and conferences. I was invited to go speak at places. And we were both kind of up-and-coming pastors in this small little denomination. But because I was a pastor, I got invited to everything, and he didn't. And I remember sharing with him some of my experiences. And you can just tell in his eyes, he was like, man, you know, I'm just an assistant pastor. I wish that, that I could do that. And uh, then later on, uh, Jeff went on. And he actually was hired by the denomination to work on Capitol Hill to uh, work in some lobbying stuff. And then he actually then went on to become a senior pastor of a pretty large church on the East Coast. And then he actually got his doctorate at Princeton Theological Seminary. And then he eventually uh, became a guest chaplain at the U.S. Senate. And then he now is, uh, I just recently found out, uh, that he is the president of the denominational seminary. And I got a letter from Jeff, and I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a personal letter. And I get this letter, and it's a form letter. And it doesn't say to your buddy Chris. It just says Chris. And then at the bottom, it was signed Jeffrey William Carter, president. And when I looked at that thing, I thought, why not me? Like, why not me? And you know why not me? Because I would never get into Princeton, okay? That is why not me. 
But don't you do that all the time? Something happens with somebody else and you have a tendency to start comparing yourself. Some of you are not shaking your heads yes right now. Okay? Yeah, we do it all the time. Um, How am I in my success compared to that person? How do I look compared to that person? What, how do I fit in compared to that person? Where am I on the rating scale? Where am I at? Folks, the reality is this. God hates when we compare ourselves to other people. Now, you might say, oh, that seems kind of strong, Chris. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. He hates it when we do this. Why? Well, here's the reasons why. This is your first fill-in. Comparison is the death of contentment. Comparison is the death of contentment. Paul, the guy who wrote close to half in the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest followers, he writes this around this issue in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, we do not dare. We do not dare. No, no, no. I don't think Paul was using a wimpy voice that I just used. I think when Paul is saying this, he is doing it with a cockiness so great that he's like this. Do not dare. You better not dare. Do not dare. Do not dare. And why did he know that? Because he knew that when we compare ourselves, we steal our joy. When we compare ourselves to somebody else, our relationships get fractured. And so in a cocky voice, I think he says it like this. Do not dare to classify or, what's the next word? Compare. He actually says it. Or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves, and what's the next word? Compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. Now, the Greek translated right that is, you're stupid if you compare. I really don't know if the Greek is translated that way, but I just made that up. But it's true. You are stupid. You are dumb. You are not wise if you choose to compare yourself to someone else. And why is that? Because this is what we do. We either look down at somebody and we compare ourselves to them and we go, well, I'm just not as bad as they are. Or we look up at someone and we look at them and we're like, oh, I'm so horrible. I can't compare to them. And so we either make ourselves less than or we make ourselves more than what we actually are. I mean, the reality is, is that success in life is not a matter of you being inferior or superior and trying to get the balance weighted just right. But what success is, is being who God has created you to be. And that you don't wish that you were someone else. Success is about being who God wants you to be, not trying to wish that you were someone else. Now, let's look at this next picture. Anybody know what that is right there? It's called a mirage. That's not water. When I was in the Sahara Desert in 1990 as a sophomore... We went out into the desert, and we were out there a long time, and they said, you will think there's water, and you did. 
There was a mirage all the time around you. Now, here's the point, folks. Each time that you and I play the comparison game, we build a mirage out of the other person. And it sounds something like this. Oh, she's so nice. She has a wonderful personality. She's always so wonderful. I bet she's just like that all the time. I, I wish I could be more like her. Or, you know what? Um, his muscles are so big and buff and he's so strong and he always has girls around him all the time. I, I bet that guy has it all together. Or her hairstyle is so amazing. If I could only have hair just like that. Or their spouse treats them so nicely. And look at this jerk that I have. And if, you know, compared to them, that's what it needs to be. Or, you know what, they are such good parents. Their kids obey. They always have clean faces. Everything's good. Or look at that house. Or look at that car. Or look at their clothes. And pretty soon, what we do is we build a mirage out of somebody else. This is what I found, folks. Every single person in this world has issues. Now, they may think they create a mirage, or you may create a mirage out of them, but the reality is every single person has issues. And whatever mirage you think of them, you know what's probably the truth? They're thinking the same thing about you. And we go this constant comparison game rather than naming what it is. Folks, to me, life is great when we finally realize that we are content with who God has created us to be rather than trying to be somebody that we're not. Here's the second thing. Comparison makes us prideful. Comparison makes us prideful. Jesus tells the story one day in referring to prayer about two different guys that went to the temple to pray. One was a tax collector. The other was a Pharisee. Now, some of you might be asking, well, what is a Pharisee? Well, a Pharisee was a religious person who basically would take a spiritual stick and beat people down. You might say they were a Bible uh, uh, beater. And they would say things like, um, you know, if you want to be holy, if you want to be close to God, then what you need to do is follow every rule, every regulation, every ritual. And they had 613 of them that they had created and they would walk around. And since They kept all of these rules. They were considered the most righteous. So there's one Pharisee that's praying. The other one is a tax collector. You need to know about that. A tax collector were the most despised people in the culture. They were Jewish people. However, they worked for the Roman government. And they would work for Rome. And Rome would say, you got to tax this much. And they would increase it. Even more so, and then they would pocket that money themselves. They basically cheated people. And the people hated them. So with that as the background, this is what we read. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you. Now, if he stopped there, it would have been wonderful, because we all should start our prayers that way. God, I thank you. But he doesn't. He goes on. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a, I give a tenth of all I get. 
It's like he's like, God, I thank you. And then all of a sudden he becomes pompous and he becomes arrogant. And we look at that and we're like, yeah, man, that's, that's not me at all. I'm not that way when I pray. I don't, I don't do like that. Well, that might be true. But this is what I found for most people. It's in your thoughts. Every time that you're around someone else, you might not pray it. You might not say it out loud. But in your thoughts, you're comparing yourself to somebody else. We do this all the time. Several years ago, uh, actually five years ago, I took my five-year-old and my three-year-old to MCL Cafeteria by myself. You get up there, you get your little tray, and you know, they always put Jello at the beginning. You know why that is? Because they want to take your money. Because my kids always take tons of Jello. They don't eat Jello hardly like any other time, but on that time, for some reason, they take the Jello. Two dollars worth of Jello. Down with MCL. No, I'm joking. You know. So we do all of this. We go ahead. We we get all our trays and we sit down. And typically, at that time in uh, our parenting world, uh, whenever we went to the mall, we would buy them an Annie Ann's pretzel if they behaved well. Well, Shiloh really didn't care one way or the other, but Jordan remembered that. And so I had to kind of tell her on the front side. Jordan, we're not getting a pretzel today because we're eating food right here. Do you understand? Yes, Daddy. Okay, good, good, good. Now, have you ever had that experience where you walked into a situation where there was a child throwing a temper tantrum on the floor before? Okay. Now, this is typically what happens. Parents see this happening... And all of a sudden, in their minds, they don't say it out loud because it's against parent rules. But in their mind, and all the single people definitely are, they're all looking at them at that point and they're going, that kid is messed up and it's because of their parents. (laughs) And boy, if I was that parent, I'll tell you what I'd be doing right now and I would take that kid and it would not be doing that and this is what I would do. So we finished eating our meal and this is what Jordan asked. Daddy, I'm ready for my pretzel. And I said, no, 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 Jordan. Remember I said at the beginning, no, we're not having a pretzel. No, Dad, I want, no, we're not having a pretzel. And all of a sudden, this child fell on the ground and started acting like her mother. I just, I don't know why, but she just did. And all of a sudden, there was a, just joking, just joking. She's not here today, so that's good. All right. So she's like, no one tell, no one tell, no. So she's like kicking and screaming and yelling and just carrying on. I mean, it's just like out of control and I can't hardly handle it. And I'm looking at all these people and no one helped you at that point. They all just look and they start comparing. Yep, you're a messed up dad. Yep. I bet the mom's even worse, you know, like, you know, and all of this stuff. And so I literally have to drag this kid out into the car. Now, here's the point. You compare things like that all the time. You go to McDonald's. The person in front of you orders three Big Macs, supersize that, and I'll have two Cokes. And you're sitting and you're standing behind that person going, oh my gosh, their diet is horrible. It is just unreal. I can't believe that. You're standing in McDonald's. Do you realize that? Like, like you are in McDonald's. And all of a sudden you're comparing and you're doing this kind of thing. And it happens all the time. All the time. Comparison makes us prideful. C.S. Lewis, a great theologian, he said this. The quote will come up on the side. 
He says, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they're really not. They're proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. Why does God hate comparisons? Because it's the death of contentment and it makes us prideful. Here's the third thing. Comparison makes us resentful. Comparison makes us resentful. There's a guy in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, named David, who was a king. And this particular guy was the king, uh, the most famous king of the Old Testament. But he wasn't the first king. The very first king of Israel was a guy by the name of Saul. But David worked for Saul before he became king. He was a soldier. He was a musician. He did all kinds of stuff for Saul. He was a very loyal guy. And he became such a good soldier that he killed a giant by the name of Goliath. And then he killed a whole bunch of other Philistine people to get them away from God's kingdom that he was trying to build. And David, one day, he's walking down the streets of Jerusalem. And it's like whoever the uh, Super Bowl MVP is today. There will be confetti that comes down. I'm going to Disney, you know. And uh, they'll get all kinds of accolades, a new car, all, all kinds of stuff. And this is what's happening to David. Everyone's like celebrating. And Saul's looking at this going, why is this going on? And then he hears the women of the town singing these words. Saul slain his thousands. And at first Saul's like, yes, Saul slain his thousands. But David, his what? Tens of thousands. And then the Bible says, Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him, irritated him, anointed him, infuriated him, annoyed him, ticked him off. And then it says, Paul said, or Saul said, they have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me, only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Folks, every time that you begin to compare, what happens is resentment hits. Resentment takes place. And this is what happens. We resent the goodness that's happening in another person's life, and we ignore the blessings of God in our own life. We resent God's goodness in another person's life. And we ignore the blessings in our own lives. And Saul is experiencing this as he sees this difference. Now, I hate to say it, but there have been times in my life in which I'm driving around town and I see a billboard of a church or I drive by a church that has a huge building and everything's there. I hear about another pastor who is, uh, you know, doing so well and their congregation is going so great. And in the midst of all of that, there is like this kind of resentment that happens within my spirit. And all of a sudden I start resentment, the goodness that's going on in that pastor's life and that church's life. And I ignore the blessings that God is actually doing here at the jar. 
And when that happens, it doesn't draw you closer to God. Folks, that becomes a cancer. I mean, the reality is, first of all, we're all on the same team. So every time another church or another pastor succeeds, we all should be like, yay, God. But the reality is we all have a tendency to have that kind of comparison. Folks, when the cancer of comparison hits your life, it kills your soul a little bit each time. And you cannot be healthy if you're always competing or comparing to somebody else. So the question becomes for us today, how do we overcome the cancer of comparison? Well, here's two things. The first one is this. You have to know what you have. You have to know what you have. Now, nowhere is this seen probably more in Scripture than in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Paul writes these words, but you might not understand that he's writing not from a peaceful study and writing back to the church that he started, but he's writing from the slammer. He's in prison when he writes these words. And they may be the, the nine most disruptive words in all of Scripture, and I'd like us to read them out loud together. Here they are. Let's read it out loud. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now, I don't know about you. I have no trouble being content when everything's going well. But when it's not going well, that's hard. But he writes this not when everything's going well. He writes it when everything is blowing up in his life. When everything is not going the way that it should be going. And he struggles to understand that even in that, though, I don't get it why people can't be content. Why can't we have that kind of freedom? And in verse 11, then he goes on to say, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And then he says, I know what it's like to be in need, and I know what it's like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or whether living in plenty or in want. He's like, I've experienced both. I've dealt with both of these before, and I'm writing you not from when my life is all together and everything's great. I'm writing you from prison. I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to be in plenty. And then he says these words, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And then there's this powerful phrase. That he says, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Have any of you ever heard that verse before? Have you ever heard that? Yeah. My daughter, she has it on the back of one of her soccer jerseys. But this is the thing, folks. Did you realize the guy writing those words was not writing when he was on top of the world. It's when he was in jail and everything was at its lowest. He said, I'm content. I've been up here. I've been down here. I can be content with both. And we want to have that kind of freedom. How do we do it? How do we do it? Well, verse 13 tells us how. I can do all things through whose strength? Christ. The power of a contented life is when Christ's power is in you. 
That's when you don't live in the, whether you live in a pit or a prison or pain or whatever, even in the midst of that, you have this sense that I'm not comparing. I'm simply going to be content with where I'm at. And it's not because I can do it in my own strength. It's not like I can sit here and go, oh God, I'm meditating on contentment right now. Oh God, help me not to compare even though they have an iPhone X and I have a flip phone. Oh, God, do not. You know what I mean? No, no, no. You learn this. You learn it. And how do you learn it? You learn it by saying, God, I need your strength in this area because I have a tendency to compare in this area. And you have to know what you have. What do you have? You have Christ's strength in you. Here's the second thing if you want to overcome the cancer comparison. Know who you are. You've got to know who you are. One of my uh, favorite verses in the New Testament is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and it says this, For we are God's what? What is it? Who, what are you? Yeah, you're a masterpiece. Now, each person here is God's masterpiece. You are a Rembrandt. You are a Picasso. You are one of a kind. Now, for some of you, we're glad God only made one, okay? Uh, But, hey, you're one. For you are God's masterpiece, the Scripture says. And then it goes on to say, He has created us a new in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Folks, you were created in the image of God, and he decided how you would be born. I mean, regardless of the circumstances of your birth, regardless of the circumstance of your parents, maybe they were great, not great, maybe the circumstances of your home weren't all that wonderful either, But God created you so that you could use your gifts and your talents to make a difference in this world. Because you are God's masterpiece. In fact, I'd like you to turn to the person beside you right now and just tell them, you are God's masterpiece. Go ahead. But here's the problem, folks. Once you have the confidence to start believing that you are God's masterpiece, your spiritual enemy will come in and he'll say, no, you're not. You're not good enough. You're not enough. You're just a mess up. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be teaching a baptism class. And some of you have been thinking about getting baptized for a while. But the reason why you're choosing not to is because you're saying this, I'm not good enough. Let me get my life all together first, and then I'll get baptized. (laughs) Folks, baptism is the beginning point, not the end point. There is nobody who has it all together before they get baptized. They simply know that there is one who can take your master mess and make it a masterpiece when you turn to him. So, if you would like to get baptized on the back of the card... uh, that you have the connect card there's a little box right there that says i'm interested in being baptized just check that off say that's my commitment 
Folks, today what I hope you understand is that you know who you are. Because in knowing who you are, then you know what you don't have to be. I quit trying to be somebody I'm not by comparing myself, and I choose to be who God created me to be. A couple of summers ago, my wife Jennifer and I, we took our kids to Disney World. And they were at an age where they were all about princesses. And they wanted princesses, and so we got our pictures taken with tons of different princesses. And at that particular time, whenever you would walk around, uh, they would tell all the little girls, they would go, Hi, princess. Can I help you, princess? And if Jordan and Shiloh went up to get some food, they'd be like, Hi, princess, can I help you? And they would just start smiling, laughing. They're like, uh, I need to get to the restroom. Princess, let me help you. And everything was princess this, princess that, princess this. And they loved it. Well, by the end of the day, they were exhausted, worn out, and uh, we laid them down to sleep, and this is what they look like. And uh, if you're a parent, maybe you've had this moment before where after a long, exhausting day where there's all kinds of stuff and they're finally asleep and you look down and you think about all the things that you wanted to kill them for during the day. But then you look down at them and you go, those are my princesses. And I don't know why, but at this particular time, I looked and I said, they are princesses. But then all of a sudden, it hit me. I'm not a king. I'm not always the greatest dad. I don't always have the greatest amount of patience. I don't always care for people the way that I should so that they could model that. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm not a king. And then it hit me. But they have a king. And every single night before we go to bed, we pray to that king. And we thank that king. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he looks down upon his kids. And he says, you're my princess. And... I get the joy of being able to rent his princesses out for a period of time and I can remind them constantly, don't compare yourself to anyone else because you are a princess to the king. Now here's the thing that I know about everybody in this room. You're sitting there going, nice illustration bunch. But you've forgotten that you're a princess and you're a prince of the king. And he looks down and he says, I know exactly who you are. You're my princess. You're my prince. And you don't have to compare yourself to anyone else because I created you uniquely as my prince as my princess let's pray
you know, maybe you're uh, there right now and you're like, man, this comparison thing, that, that has my name written all over it. I compare myself all the time to other people. There are so many aspects of my life that I'm constantly comparing. And if that's you, if you're always feeling this temptation to compare yourself to others, and you get prideful about it, and you see contentment leaving your life, and you got some resentment there because of how much you compare. If that's you today, and you're like, I don't want to live this way anymore. God, I need your help. If that's you today, I want to ask you to do a bold thing, and that is just to raise your hand to say, God, I want to stop comparing. I want to stop living a comparing life. God, I need your help to stop comparing, to see myself as I see you. God, I pray right now for each person with a lifted hand. Help them know that what they have and who they are is enough. Help them to know that they do not have to live a life of comparison, that the cancer of comparison, that they can break that chain today. And God, I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name so that they might have contentment no matter the circumstance. You can put your hand down. Now, maybe there are some of you that you are separated from God in comparison. You don't know who this God is, and you're like, Chris, if you only knew what my life was like and some of the things I did in the last week or even within the last 24 hours, there's no way that someone would call me a prince or princess. You're wrong. There is a king of heaven and earth who looks down upon you right now, and he says, you're my masterpiece and I love you and I want a relationship with you and I will take your master mess and I will turn it into a master piece because that's who I created you to be and so if today's the day where you're like I want to give my life to Christ today that you want to acknowledge your sins and say this is where I've messed up God I need your forgiveness. I need a Savior. I need you to move in my life. I want you. I want to know you. I want to serve you. I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. If that's you, I invite you to repeat a prayer after me and to ask God to transform your life. And here at the JAR, we never pray alone. So if you pray this prayer for the first time, you won't pray alone. People around you will pray this with you. But if this is your first time, this is your prayer, and I invite you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus, save me. Make me new. Set me free. Thank you, God, for forgiving me, adopting me into your family. I belong to you. I choose you. And I trust you with my whole life. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer for the first time. Welcome to the kingdom of God.
Well, if you prayed that prayer this morning, we definitely want to celebrate with you and congratulate you. And if you'd like to go to the back corner there, um, we would like to give you an appreciation gift of a Bible and uh, just talk with you a little bit. Also, if you prayed that prayer, if you would get out this Connect card here, there's a little blue box at the top, and we'd like it if you'd check that box. And uh, we won't hound you or bother you. We just want to pray with you in your new life with Christ. Also, that Connect card, uh, if you'd fill that out, if you have not done that yet, you can fill out the actual card. You can fill out the app, uh, however you'd like to do it. If you have not downloaded our app, go ahead and do that today. Lots of other great information and things you can do on our app as well. Um, I'd like to invite the greeters to come forward as we receive an offering. You can put that Connect card inside that offering bag as it goes around. And again, if you did accept Christ today, please check that blue box and make sure you go to the back uh, to talk to the individual back there. Let's pray. God, I just ask that you would take this offering that we are giving to you today and that you would bless our community, bless our church, and just um, use it for your glory and what you would have done with it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, lots of other things to tell you about today. Guest Connections, if this is your first time or uh, maybe you've been coming for a couple of weeks, we'd love for you to stop by our Guest Connections table there uh, in the back. Ruthanna's in the red and she's waving. We'd like to just give you a gift and tell you thank you for joining us today. Coming up, we've got uh, First Steps with Chris. Again, if maybe you are just joining us or you want to learn more about the church, you want to ask Chris some questions, uh, that's a great opportunity for you to do that. And that is coming up on February 18th. It'll be for an hour after the second celebration. Lunch and child care will be provided, and they will be meeting in the JAR Cafe. So mark your calendars for February 18th. Also coming up on that day is the uh, New Testament class. If you want to delve deeper into the Word and you just kind of want to uh, maybe learn more about the New Testament, you don't know much about it, this is a great class for you to take. Great way to, uh, you know, get in there and get closer with your walk with God. And that's going to be taking place starting February 18th. It will be at 930 in the upstairs exercise room. And you can sign up online on the app or over at the resource table over here. I'd like to invite the prayer team to come up at this time. If there's anything that you are in need of prayer for, uh, those people will pray with you and just and be with, united in Christ with you. So make sure that you come forward today if you need prayer for anything. Okay. So uh, prayer team, if uh, you can come up here and uh, look at that, that would be great. Well, hey, guys, this week um, we want to challenge you to do something, and that is Stop comparing. Stop comparing and know that you are God's masterpiece. So if you need prayer for anything, come on up here. These folks would love to pray with you. If you accepted Christ today uh, for the first time, if you go back to this table, Chuck is back there. Uh, he would love to pray with you, give you a Bible, uh, get you connected that way. Uh, otherwise, have a great week and uh, know that you're loved in this place. Thanks, everybody.